Welcome to Make Me Your Voice with Pastor David Bartowell. These messages are intended to deepen your faith and trust in a living God who speaks to us with hope and reason. Today's message comes to us from the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. Good morning. Today, we're going to continue through uh, Exodus, the God who is. We're going to talk about why God has set us free. Are you free in Jesus today? Amen. Amen. Jesus said, whoever the Son sets free is free indeed. One of my favorite places to go, not as much anymore, too crowded, but Disneyland is amazing when you think about it. Walt Disney had a vision for this theme park. And imagine trying to sell that vision, right? Trying to get capital, to raise capital to do it. I just admire him. He like never gave up. But imagine if Walt Disney tried to just do it all himself, like be everything, have the vision, implement the vision, raise the money, build the rides, print the tickets. That would never go well, right? Because that's not how things grow. And that's not how Israel grew. And that's not how the church grows. We grow by giving away responsibilities to other people so that the vision can go forth. And that's what Walt Disney did. He employed hundreds of skilled workers and talented workers. And that's what we're going to see today in Israel. Because too many people are trying to build God's kingdom on their own. And there's a lot of talented people that are just waiting to be asked to serve. Do you know that? Have you ever thought of that? There's people that you know, that live near you, that work next to you, that are looking for meaning in life. And what if you were to say, hey, we need help at our church? Here's what I would say. Oh, I'm not going to church. Okay, just come and help me greet people or help me set up or whatever. And you can go home if you want. They're not going to go home. My uh, relative... When we started this church, and by the way, today is officially our 16th anniversary as a church. But when we first started, and we were at Laguna Hills High School, I had a relative I loved very much, and he was in a bad place. I remember meeting with him and trying to touch base with him. It was 11 o'clock in the morning for lunch, and he'd already downed pretty much a whole bottle of vodka by that time in the morning. He was down and out. He's a big guy. And I said, hey, Ed, I need your help. I need you to come and and help me set up our church because I was driving the church van with all the equipment in it. When we started the church and we're setting up and we didn't have space to store, I drove the church van. I said, hey, I need your help, Ed. Can you come and uh, I'll pick you up at seven o'clock and I just need you to carry stuff. He's like, well, I'm not going to stay. I go, you don't have to stay. I drove up to where he lived, waited 10 minutes, didn't show up. And then I tried that for a few more weeks. Finally, he got in the van with me and we drove and he helped. He set up and then he took the bus home. He didn't want anything to do with church. I'll make a long story short. He uh, started coming. He felt welcome. He felt like he had a purpose. It wasn't like I was trying to invite him to something boring. I was inviting him to something exciting. And he got saved, and I got to baptize him. And I just saw him like a month ago. He's married, just a changed person. 
Why is that? Because I reached out to him. And we're praying, you know, for our church to grow. But we need to put feet to the answers that God already has. You got to look around you. Invite people. Pick them up. So you don't have to sit through anything. Just come and meet people. I just want you to meet my friends at church. Get here early. That's easy, right? That's what it takes. That's how churches grow. You employ other people. You give them a purpose. That's what God did with Israel. He gave them a vision. He says, you're a kingdom of priests. Now act like it. Work. Serve the king. And he employs Moses, their leader. And he instructs Moses to employ other people. And that's how Israel became a flourishing nation. And that's how God built his house, his tabernacle. So today we're going to talk about the God who releases. Israel was rescued and released for a reason. You also were rescued and released for a reason. That reason is to serve your king. God rescued you to serve your king, Yahweh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know that when God, Yahweh, rescued Israel, he said, To tell Pharaoh, he said, Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, let my people go so that they can wander around the desert without purpose. Is that what he said? No, he said, let my people go that they may what? Serve me. As Bob Dylan, the great theologian said, everybody's going to serve somebody. God released Israel from serving a corrupt king so that they might serve their holy king. You know what true freedom is? Serving the king. Because you're going to serve somebody. You're going to serve something. True freedom is serving the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what God did for us. Do you know that God rescued us out of darkness into the light? Colossians 1.13. Read it with me. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. We were in darkness. And God rescued us into light. And that's why Jesus said, read it with me. So if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. But why am I made free? Why did God release me from the prison of Egypt, of sin and death? Number one, you're released to contribute. We're released to contribute. There's two types of people. Consumers and contributors. Consumers are customers. They expect to be served. When they're not served to their satisfaction, they complain. They argue. They cause division, just like Israel did. And this is a lot of the problem with the church today. The saying, have it your way, was transferred as the model for churchgoers for many years. And what this did is trained up a league of selfish, self-centered consumers. I don't like that music style. That service is too long. That pastor is boring. All he talks is about money. I want to find a church that serves me. Now, the difference is a contributor, they contribute. Guess who's the greatest contributor of all? Jesus. He said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He's our example. So in Exodus 35, which we're going to look at today, It says, everyone whose heart stirred in him and everyone whose spirit moved him 
came and brought the Lord's contribution for the work of the tent of the meeting for all its service and for the holy garments. Moses is writing this and he's telling us that everyone came and that first of all, it's a heart thing because it's the heart stirred him. So everyone came with the right heart. The motivation was correct. And that heart motivation moved them to action. And then it was a spirit thing. Everybody's spirit moved him. And that's what happens when God's spirit moves us, when we go into action and do what he's put on our heart to do. And then it's a faith thing. They brought the contribution. Faith is active. So a lot of people pray, which is awesome, and their heart is in the right place. But the next thing is to actually do it and bring the contribution. And it's a God thing. They brought the Lord's contribution. They weren't worried about how many likes they were going to get on this, you know, from being on the platform and, you know, how many likes did I get on Facebook Live? That's not what it's about. They're doing it for the Lord. And it's a selfless thing. It's for the work of the tabernacle. It's not for their own selfishness. It's for God. We should never give to get. We should give to God. And that's what's important. I've had the opportunities of serving in different churches, mega churches, sitting there for how long God had us there and serving and being involved and then tithing regularly and then being asked to give above and beyond for the building. Saddleback Church, I served there from 1993 to 96, and we were in a tent. I never got to enjoy the building. My money did, but that's not why I did that. I didn't give so that I can enjoy it. I gave so that God would build it. And I've had other opportunities where I've served. Every church I've served in never had a building, except for one. And I only stayed there for a little while. We go through all these different building campaigns, and you give above and beyond, and then God moves you somewhere else. He's like, oh, I didn't get to enjoy that. I went back to Fellowship of the Woodlands in Houston, Texas, where I served there. We were in a school. And then we went to another school. And we kept going, moving to schools. And then finally they bought land. And then they built this building. And I wasn't there. And I had me back to come and play. They had a $100,000 Bosendorf grand piano on the stage. I was playing like a Yamaha CP thing, you know, which I'm grateful for. But the point is, that I didn't, we didn't serve and, and give so that we would enjoy it for the rest of our life. We served and give because we wanted God to be glorified. And that's why we do it. So when we're asking for a first gift, we're asking to give beyond, above and beyond what you would normally give to the Lord, Jesus. Not that you get something in return, but that you give to God. And then you're blessed. Next, you're released to construct, to build. God says we're living stones. God wants to use us to build his church. In other words, we are building supplies. You know when you work on a site and someone drops off a bunch of building materials, right? Now, are they any good just sitting there? No, you employ them, you use them, you put them up where they're supposed to be. Well, the same thing. We are building supplies. You know that? And God wants to use us to build his church. 
And God never directs where he doesn't provide. You know, I heard one pastor say, we have all the money we need just in different bank accounts because it's all God's. God knew what it would take to build his kingdom. So God gave Moses and Aaron building supplies, people. In Exodus 36, 1, it says, Now Bezalel, his name means in the shadow of God, and Oheliab, his name means the tabernacle of his father. I love his name. And every skillful person in whom the Lord has put skill and understanding to know how to perform all the work in the construction of the sanctuary shall perform in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. So what are you good at? What do you love to do? What experiences do you have? What's your passion? Have you thought these things through? Whatever those things are, do that. Do that. And don't wait for somebody to recruit you to do it. Just say, hey, I want to do this. Awesome. That's how it works. 1 Peter 4.10 says, each one has received a gift. Employ it. Use it. And if you don't know what your gift is, you know that we have classes called path classes that will help you discover your passions and your gifts. We have a ministry called Identity and Destiny that will help you do that too. In Ephesians 2.22, read it with me. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So contributors construct. We're called to build God's house. And that's what Israel is doing. Open your Bibles to Exodus 36, starting in verse 2. After Bezalel and Oheliab is mentioned, it says, Then Moses called Bezalel and Oheliab and every skillful person whom the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him, to come to work to perform it. They received from Moses all the contributions which the sons of Israel had brought to perform the work in the construction of the sanctuary. Who brought the contributions? The sons of Israel, the people. And they still continued bringing with free will offerings. It wasn't forced upon them. They just did it. And all the skillful men who were performing all the work of the sanctuary came, each from the work which he's performing. And they said to Moses, the people are bringing much more than enough for the construction work which the Lord commanded us to perform. So Moses issued a command and proclamation was circulated throughout the camp saying, don't bring any more. We have enough. Can you imagine if every pastor could say that? Like, stop giving. We have too much. Let no man or woman any longer perform work for the contribution of the sanctuary. Just the people were restrained from bringing any more. For the material they had was sufficient and more than enough. More than enough to build the tabernacle. That's amazing to me. So look at this in verse 5. It says, Moses, the people are bringing. Who brought it? The people. Does God need people to do anything? No. Does he need people's money? No. So it's him using the people. It's not like he has to have us do it, but we get to do it. Brought more than enough for the construction which the Lord commands us to perform. Faith is active. Contributors serve. They perform the work. They don't wait for someone else to do it. They do it. Ephesians 2.10 is a great verse. Read it with me. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would just walk in him. Can you imagine that? If God had a plan for you and all you had to do was show up and just do it, isn't that amazing? He's prepared beforehand, before you were even born, for you to do work in his kingdom. That's why he released you. And then third, you are released to complete, complete the task. Don't leave stuff unfinished if you can help it. I found a picture of Mark, the last part of Gospel of Mark. This is a manuscript from 300 AD, so it's pretty old. It's Codex Vitanicus. Here we have the end of Mark. So Mark, interesting Gospel. Mark ends at the eighth verse of chapter 16 where it says they were afraid. Jesus had resurrected, but it ends there. It's like weird. Like, why does it end there? It's a weird thing to end. Well, many people believe that Mark died before he finished it. So someone else finished it. They finished and they finished the rest of it because they knew the story. Can you imagine if Mark died and nobody knew how to finish the rest of the story? Isn't that amazing what Jesus did? Jesus died, but he rose from the dead. But the story goes on through his people. We have the vision. We have the gospel. We just need to tell the story. Because there's nothing that's worse than unfinished things. Incomplete things. And this is why I can't say it enough. If there's one thing to be urgent about, because we are urgent about everything. You know, our microwave broke in our house. That's like stress. This morning, I didn't know how to cook my oatmeal. And it was horrid. It was like all... So we get urgently stressed out about stuff. If there's one thing that we should be urgent about, is serving God. That should be urgent. We should wake up in the morning and go, Lord, what do you want me to do today? How do you want to use me today? But before that, we should not just wake up in the morning. We should know, Lord, I just want to do what you want me to do. So put me where you want me to be. By the way, there's no coincidence that you're in this church, right? That's not a coincidence. God has you here. There's no mistakes. So put me where you want me to be, and then give me what you want me to do, and then do it. And that's how the church grows. That's how the church is healthy, because we should never live with regret. We should never live with what if. What if I would have done that? We should live for what fors. That's what I live for, is God and serving Him. So I'm grateful that so many people in this church, and I really believe this, that the church would continue. If God took me home or something happened, the church would continue because you know the purpose and the mission, the gospel and the vision for this church. If it were just up to me and something happened to me, the church would dissolve. That's not how it should work. But I think a lot of people become consumers, but we need to all be contributors. We need to be building God's house. Do you know that you don't take anything with you, but you can send it ahead of you? That's why Jesus said, do not store up for yourself treasure on earth. Where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven. And then verse 21, for where your treasure is, read the rest, 
there your heart will be also. If you treasure Jesus and his church, your heart will be there. That's why I've been asking people to pray for growth, for land. And I can honestly feel and sense that more people, more people's hearts are being fully engaged because you're praying for the success of this church. Exodus 39, verses 42 to 43 says, Then the sons of Israel did all the work according to all the Lord had commanded. And Moses examined all the work, and behold, they had done it just as the Lord commanded, and Moses blessed them. Can you imagine how people felt being blessed by Moses? Can you imagine how people feel being blessed by Jesus? In fact, we are blessed by Jesus. In Matthew 25, 23, in a parable, Jesus says his master, and he's referring to God himself, said to him, well done, good and faithful slave or servant. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter the joy of your master. Now, a lot of people look at that verse and they feel condemned and shamed, like, oh, I'm not doing enough. That's not what it's about. It's about our heart. Is our heart fully engaged with God? Is our heart fully in love with Jesus? Because if it is, everything else will fall into place. But it's when other things take the place. Now, in the end of Exodus 38, there's a whole list of stuff, and it talks about the cost, how much it costs to build a tabernacle. Now, I'm not going to go through all the details, but let's just get an idea of what it would cost in today's money. It's hard to do, but it does list that there were 29 talents and 730 shekels of gold, and that would weigh about one and a quarter tons. Silver, there was a hundred talents. Talent was a type of money. And a thousand seven hundred seventy-five shekels, and that weighed four and a quarter tons of silver. Brass, 70 talents, 2,400 shekels, four tons. Okay, that's a lot. I'll never forget when I was working at Saddleback and they were doing the first building campaign, and they had the kids give their change. They had to send like one of those truck things, you know, with a forklift to lift the money that the kids gave. That's awesome. So a talent of gold was about 120 pounds. A talent of silver was about 100 pounds. A shekel was one half an ounce. So when you add all the cost up in Exodus 38 and includes the priestly garments and the precious stones, the estimated value in today's currency, now this is an estimate, and it's a big gap between the two possibilities, anywhere from $10 million to $40 million. And that doesn't include the labor, but the labor was free because the people did it. That's a lot. $40 million? Where did they get that? Where did the people get all this? Do you remember where they got it? Egypt. Remember? God said, I'm not sending you out there without stuff. You're going to have a lot of stuff. They got gold. The things that were plundered from Egypt, the people brought in with them to the wilderness. Now, sadly, Israel used some of that gold to adorn a fake cow. That's what happens when we use our wealth that God has given us to adorn our idols. You know, I don't have time to go through all the details, but there's two stories in the Bible that are very eye-opening. 
One is about a guy named Achan in Joshua chapter 7. Israel had taken Canaan and the, the walls of Jericho came down and God instructed Joshua now that they're supposed to collect all the valuable gold and silver and iron and different things and give it to the treasury of the Lord. But one guy, Achan, decided to take the ground. Israel goes out to battle. Now, they've already won all the battles, so they're like, wow, this is God's coming through. And they get their behinds kicked by people called I, A-I. They lost. And Joshua's freaking out. It's like, why did you send us all the way in here, Lord, so that we would lose to I? And God says, Joshua, get up. There's sin in the camp. Clean it out because you're going to keep losing. They find out Achan and his family were guilty of stealing from God. Do you know what they did to them? They stoned them to death. They burnt everything. You know why? Sin is serious. And it's not just a personal sin. Our sin affects the whole body when we're not doing or we're doing something we shouldn't or we're not doing what we should do. And then there's a story in the New Testament. Ananias and Sapphira, remember them? What happened? The church, in fact, the church in Acts chapter 5 is having incredible unity. Lots of people getting saved. And it says everything belonged to everybody. It was godly communism. Okay, it was good socialism. Because here's the thing, the government wasn't involved. God was involved. And they freely gave. No one took. They freely gave. And the church was flourishing. And then Ananias and Sapphira lied to God and to Peter. Peter asked him, how much did you sell that house, your property for? Because they said they were going to give everything. And he goes, this amount. And they go, why are you lying? We know how much you got. Why are you holding back from God? Nobody was forcing you to give in the first place. You know what happened to Ananias? He dies. He's dead right there. Then his wife comes out and she does the same lie because they had the conversation. In case Peter asks us, you know, let's lie to him because he doesn't know he's not God. No, here's what's going on. First of all, God's protecting the church. But secondly, he's showing that Peter is God's man because Peter said, that ain't going to happen under my watch. See, this is how we don't understand that we will stand before the Lord. And we will receive rewards according to how well we managed God's stuff that he loaned to us. We're only here for a short time. In 2020, I'm going to start the year off with a sermon series called 2020 Vision. Because I believe that next year is going to be the catapulting year for us as a church. That's why God's stirring in our hearts right now. Do you not feel it? You know we're not going to be here forever, right, this place. Do you not feel this? You need to feel it. You need to understand what God's doing in our, heart, in our church and pray and seek the Lord because our vision never changed. You know, when we first started the gate, it's always been the same vision. I'm going to show the video again that is going to be promoted more and more. We've been meeting regularly on a monthly basis with what we're calling a development team. We're meeting with people who are gifted in fundraising that are going to help us raise millions and millions of dollars to build a community center. But it starts with us. 
It starts with you giving. It starts with you serving. It starts with you thinking beyond yourself. So watch this, and then we're going to talk about it. Watch this. The gate is a connection point. Jesus said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. The community at the gate is a place where that connection can happen. In a place where people are doing what they would naturally do, visiting stores, going to movies. The whole place will be biblically thematic, kind of like Disneyland, but with a Christian theme. So when one enters the gate, it will look like they're entering an old gate in Jerusalem. To the left, they'll see a Christian-owned business. For instance, it could be a Hobby Lobby or a Chick-fil-A or In-N-Out Burger. To the right, one will find the area where there's classrooms, where kids can come after school and receive tutoring. Straight ahead, there'll be the, a path that leads right to the biggest building, which is an entertainment venue. And it will offer family-friendly entertainment. There's a lot of open space. And that open space is not only a park where kids can play, but there's also statues and symbols that point to the Bible. For instance, there could be a fountain where it shows Moses hitting a rock and water coming out of the fountain. Or it could be a tree, and it could be the Zacchaeus tree where Zacchaeus climbed up to see Jesus and the kids can climb up there. Remember, it's all thematic, so the kids can be learning and the families can be learning as they're looking at these symbols from the Bible. Way in the back, there's, a, there's an area where churches, local churches will meet. So the community at the gate will offer buildings and facilities for local churches to use and to rent and to have their worship services. And again, the whole reason we're there in the back is we don't we want people just to go as far as they want to go. But hopefully they'll go all the way and meet Christ and their life and their families will be saved. There's a purposeful evangelism that's happening and it's a natural evangelism because people are coming to places they would normally come to. Then someone might not come into a church building, but they'll come to a mall, they'll come to a center where there's stores and shops and movies and ways where people can get resources to help them have a better life. This community is, is built on biblical principles. Everyone needs Jesus. They just don't know it. Our whole goal and objective is to lead someone to Christ and then get them plugged into a local church. The community gate is not a church. It's the church coming together to be a light to the world, and this could be an incredible way to connect people to Jesus, who's the gate. In order for this vision to be fulfilled, we need people who are like-minded, who are kingdom-minded, who think of God's kingdom above themselves or their local church. We need people who are businessmen or women. We need uh, people who will invest and, and give financially. We need people who are attorneys. We need people who are just prayer warriors. If this is spoken to your heart, listen to the Lord and become a part of it, no matter what you can do. So I want people to come alongside and be a part of leaving a legacy that's way bigger than us and that will outlast us 
for eternity. Do you know how many people are just waiting to be a part of this? And we get to be a part of this. I didn't just make this up yesterday. <laughs> this has been the vision the Lord gave me 20 years ago. And you know how I know it's God? It never goes away. I can't stop thinking about it. Because it's the vision God gave us. And that's what we get to be a part of. And we're going to end real quick on the finding yourself in the story because it's going to count the cost. You're going to need to count the cost. Jesus said, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost. First of all, you have to count the cost of my relationships. No one should be more important than Jesus. In fact, he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, his own mother, and when he's talking about this, he's saying love less. You can't love anyone more than Jesus. You're my wife, my children, my brothers. My, yeah, yes, even my own life cannot be my disciple. So don't be an Ananias. Don't be a Sapphira. The next is the cost of myself. I have to count the cost. Listen, when we follow Christ, that's exactly what we're doing. We're giving up our rights. Whoever does not carry his own cross, come after me, cannot be my side. We die to ourselves. We live for Christ. And he's our leader. And we're his followers and his students, his disciples. And then last is the cost of my possessions. I don't own anything. I'm a steward. I'm a manager. So that's why Jesus says, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. No more golden calves. No more hidden treasures. No more lies. We're going to go into 2020, and I can't wait for the day. When I say, stop giving, we have so much, it's full. God has you here for a reason. Look at this verse. From one man, he made all nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. So I want to end by singing this song. And it's about where we are today. And there's no mistakes. There's no coincidences. It's all about God. And then after that, we're going to have a little time, a call to action. So uh, as I sing this, as I sing this song, find yourself in this story. And now, all I have is now to be faithful to be holy and to shine lighting up the darkness right now I really have no choice but to voice the truth to the nations a generation looking for God for such a time as this I was placed upon the to hear the voice of God and do His will, whatever it is, for such a time as this, for now and all the days He gives. I am here, I am here, and I am His for such a time as this.
wonder why Seems like the grass is always greener Under everybody else's sky Right here, right here For this time and place You can live a mirror of His mercy A forgiving image of grace For such a time as this I was placed upon the earth To hear the voice of God And do His will Whatever it is For such a time as this For now and all the days He gives I am here I am here And I am His For such a time as this Can't change what's happened to now But we can change what will be By living in holiness That the world will see Jesus For such a time as this I was placed upon the earth To hear the voice of God And do His will Whatever it is For such a time as this For now and all the days He gives I am here I am here and I am His for such a time, oh Lord, to hear the voice of God and do His will, whatever it is, for such a time as this, for now and all the days He gives, I am here. I am here and I am His for such a time as this. Grab the connection card. So here's what I want you to do. On the back, there's different things. Maybe you're placing your faith in Jesus Christ for the first time. Check that box. Maybe you're committing your life to Jesus Christ. You want to make a recommitment. Maybe you need to be baptized. You want to check that. Maybe you want to join the gate. Because here's the thing. There's going to be people knocking on the door to be a part of this. And you're the first ones. I want you to join the gate. If you're not a partner, we want you to be a partner at the gate with us. And if this is you, whatever else you mark on there, please mark as the Lord leads. If this is you, if you can write in where it says my prayer request, please write, you can count on me. If this is you, if you're someone that I can count on, that we can count on, I want you to write that in there. We're going to go into 2020 and we're going to get to the point, stop giving because God's going to blow our minds. You don't even know. You look around now, these are the people you're going to spend eternity with. But there's so many people out there who don't know yet. They need to come along with us. They need to get saved. The people in this school, the people in this neighborhood, the people down the street, they're just waiting to be a part of something like this. Lord, I thank you that we get to be a part of this. 
that you released us and rescued us to serve the king. And that's what I want to do, Lord. I want us to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Amen. Pastor David Bartowell's message reminds us that God speaks to us with hope and reason so that we can be His voice in this world. Please join us again for Make Me Your Voice, a ministry of the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. We would love to have you visit if you're in the area. For more information or to find our location, please visit thegateoc.com.